Hi, I'm Wesley with Tree Newell, and I'm here with Kimberly Peterson today to talk about Oakwilt. Hi, Kimberly, how are you doing? Hi, I'm good, how are you? Good to see you. So, um, Oakwilt is a big deal in Texas. Yeah, especially in the Central West area, mainly in the Central Texas area, though. Yeah, so here in North Texas, uh, we've got some too. Yes, most definitely. Uh, what, what areas in North Texas do you see it most commonly? Oh, so it goes into the Dallas and Tarrant County areas. Um, I see it a lot um, going towards Weatherford, Granbury, and then also into Somerville County, which is Glen Rose. So it's kind of everywhere. It's just I don't know exactly where it's at for sure in Dallas and Tarrant counties, but we know that it's here. It's been documented. Yes, I've seen it in Louisville recently. Yeah, and, really. Which is surprising, but yeah. uh, I've also seen it down like Glen Rose, Cleburne, Granbury, yes. uh, and points west and north uh, from there. So yes. uh, what, do, what do homeowners and property owners in North Texas need to know about Oakwilt? They need to know that, you know, whenever if their trees are affected by Oakwilt, um, it can decrease your property value anywhere from 15 to 20%. So being ahead of the game and being proactive um, before your trees start showing symptoms or even when they start showing symptoms, you know, taking those steps forward to prevent the spread um, is really important. So which trees are susceptible? All oaks. All oak trees are susceptible to oak wilt. Now they're all gonna have different various um, degrees of susceptibility with your red oaks being the highest susceptibility and your um, live oaks are intermediate. And then your white oaks are gonna be um, not as susceptible, but they can still get it, so. Yeah, so where can customers find out more about uh, oak wilt? So they can go to uh, texasoakwilt.org. It's a site ran by the Texas a Forest Service. Um, that site has a lot of information that is current and up to date um, with the most accurate information on Oakwilt and how to uh, prevent it moving forward and how to manage it. So you can go to those websites or you can also come to treenewell.com for more information or to set up an appointment with one of our ISA certified arborists. And so if, if somebody does see signs of oak wilt in their trees, they can treat with fungicides. Now we can't cure the disease, but we can suppress it and extend the life of the tree or, or maybe even help that tree uh, last a lot longer if it's treated properly. Yes, of course. So um, these fungicidal treatments, they're only applied as, as trunk injections. So you do need professional assistance in most cases. So they're not just applied in trunk um, injections, they're also applied through the root flare. So there's two different methods that you can do these injections. Um, so you can either use Alamo, which is injecting through the, the root flare, or you can use um, what some people use as Kinjet or ArborJet, and that's injecting through the trunk. Right, so either a macro injection or a micro injection, yes. but that should be up to the arborist as to which method is gonna be most effective. Yes. So um, when, I, when I'm out looking at trees and somebody calls me and says, hey, I think I've got oak wilt, most of the time I get there and I look at it and it's something totally different. But occasionally I do run into some oak wilt trees. Now in my area, it's not a huge uh, disease problem, um, but it is present. And I have definitely run into it in North Dallas and in West Fort Worth and recently in Louisville. And one of the things I look for are the foliar symptoms. That's one of the easiest ways 
to identify um, oak wilt. Now we can't get a firm diagnosis without a lab test, but we can spot the symptoms. But there's other symptoms um, that, uh, that you can look for such as, you know, patterns, correct? Yes, of course. Yeah. So um, as far as, you know, connecting the patterns, it depends on which oak you're looking at. Okay. Um, so for red oaks, for example, if you start seeing um, flagging um, in the tree's canopy and um, you're going to see this over about a four to six week period is how long it takes for the fungus to actually kill the tree. Um, but you'll see flagging and that's where like one limb on one side of the tree will start turning red on the leaves and then on another area it will start turning red as well. And then eventually the whole canopy will turn red. Um, during time of year, it should not be turning red. Right. Right. Yeah. Usually we start to see the symptoms in late spring, early summer. Yes. And then they progress. And as we know on red oaks, it doesn't take long, just a few weeks uh, from infection to mortality. Yeah, and they have 100% mortality. So um, once the red oak is infected, they do die. Yeah, the live oaks can last a little longer. Yes. Uh, approximately 20% of them can survive the infection um, on their own without assistance, but it doesn't make them look good. No, so with live oaks, um, like you said, about 20% of them do survive if they you know get it and they aren't treated but they do lose a huge chunk of their canopy. Um, and it can take anywhere from about um, three to six months or so for a live oak to die from oak wilt, okay? Um, so live oaks, it takes a little bit longer for people to notice it. They oftentimes they wait, they think it's something else, um, or they just have no idea that oak wilt's even in the area. Um, and so that one's just kind of... Right. <laughs> And then, and then the foliar symptoms that are yes. real distinct. Very distinct. Um, well, I at say, least on the live oaks. I say that um, sometimes, like with this the winter storm damage that we've had, and then this recent drought. Sometimes winter storm damage and drought can put on symptoms that are similar to oak wilt by making it look like they have venal necrosis, which is that discoloration on the veins. Mm -hmm. um, but we also have two other. Um, signs of oak wilt on live oaks. Do you know what those are? Um, flagging, dieback on the tips, um, yeah. and uh, you know patterns where you've got one tree kind of in, in an area, and then the disease is radiating out from that infected yeah. uh, tree. So, on as far as the canopy goes, some things that you'll see is called marginal banding, um, and then also tip burning. And so, marginal banding is a little bit different than venal necrosis. It's kind of flipped. Um, where the outside of the leaf kind of turns a different color and then the vein turns kind of a, is kind of like a, that dark green. Mm -hmm. And then your tip burn is pretty common that you see also during a drought. So it's, so it, it gets can a be little- It can be difficult to diagnose. Very so difficult. The, the, the take home is that you really need a lab diagnosis to confirm. To confirm, especially if you're in doubt. Um, last summer, for example, I was sending off red oak samples to the lab and they were just coming back as something else. But, you know, just to be sure, I wanted to make sure that my landowners were protected. Right, so in, in the event that the the tree becomes infected, uh, what should the first um, course of action be for a property owner? Well, if you suspect that your uh, oaks are affected by oak wilt, you need to first contact a certified arborist, um, someone that is also qualified in oak wilt. They've gone through the trainings 
um, and have taken the test to be certified. And then you can also reach out to your uh, Texas A&M Forest Service, uh, either Forest or Woodland Ecologists. Um, we're more than happy to come out and take a look. All right, so how widespread is oak wilt here in North Texas and, and what, what types of areas are at a higher risk for getting this infection and having continuing problems with it? It is very widespread throughout, you know, North Texas. Um, there are some counties, you know, closer to the Red River that don't necessarily have any um, confirmed cases, but the areas that are at higher risk are the ones that have high densities of oak trees, okay? Um, in areas where people have cleared out every other species but their oaks, you know, they're at risk of losing all of their oak species if oak wilt was to ever come onto their property. Right, that not having that biodiversity, having a monoculture leaves you at risk if a particular pathogen comes in and wipes out your one species or two species that you have. Yes, and this goes, you know, not just for oak wilt, this goes across the board, you know, with the winter storm that we had and then this drought, you want a diversity of genetics in your landscape so that way whenever something happens, a natural disaster or disease comes through, you're not losing everything, right? right? And, and we're getting more transmission in areas where there's a higher density of susceptible oaks, like uh, yes. along the 377 corridor, you know, between Fort Worth and Granbury and kind of west of here, I think uh, Weatherford sees yes. quite a bit. Weatherford, I was actually on two site visits yesterday with confirmed oak wilt, so um, it's there. Yes. Kimberly, this last couple of years, Mother Nature has thrown a lot of heavy blows at our trees. We've gone from one extreme to another. We've had the winter storm in 2021 and we had below zero temperatures on consecutive nights. That was really hard on a lot of our trees. Yes, it was extremely hard. So, you know, thinking back to 21, you know, before that winter storm, we were close to the 80s, like a week before that. Yep. Um, and then after that winter storm, we were back up in the high 70s, 80s. And then that May, we had nonstop rain. Um, and then a drought for over a year. So all of these conditions have led to environmental stressors on all of our tree species across the board. Right. Um, and so with that, like we mentioned earlier, is that you're going to possibly see signs of, um, symptoms that could look like oak wilt, mm -hmm. um, but they may not be oak wilt. Yeah, I've seen a lot of dead tips on canopies yeah. where that those extremities on those branches just froze back and it's caused all kinds of leaf deformations as these trees are trying to sprout back and, and that tissue's damaged and struggling to repair itself. Um, we've seen all kinds of major drought stress symptoms. A lot of times people think that's oak wilt, but it's really not. Yes. Um, it, it's hard sometimes as a professional to understand exactly what's going on at first glance until you start looking at the details and asking the questions and kind of considering the whole big picture. Um, w w I think we're gonna see consequences of these weather patterns for years to come on our trees. I I've seen an increase in wood boring insects, an increase in um, trees that have lost big chunks of bark on the trunk where yes. they've suffered freeze damage and the live oaks were especially hard hit. Yeah, live oaks, you saw a lot of the frost cracks that you're talking about on them. Uh, but surprisingly this year, we're starting to see a lot of damage on post oaks as well. Um, and it's I'm contributing a lot of that back to that winter storm, but we're seeing hypoxylin 
on post oaks and i'm seeing it all the way from my eastern counties to my western counties across the board yeah and that's a that's a big um pathogen that comes in and takes out stress trees so yes you know that with these different weather extremes heat and drought that uh that those trees are getting hit hard when they start showing up with hypoxylin yes and post oaks they cannot handle stress very well they're kind of big babies that way right they don't like being handled they don't like you know there's certain things that are kind of finicky but um they're beautiful trees and it's a shame to see a lot of them dying right now from that stress and being affected by hypoxylin and yeah and and they're kind of irreplaceable here in an urban setting because we don't have any regeneration going on no. and you can't exactly go into the nursery and buy one and plant it um so the ones that we have here in uh, developed areas we should uh, be trying to reduce that stress on so we can keep them yes and there, you know there's a few things that you can do as far as minimizing stress you know practicing proper pruning times techniques um, making sure that if we go through another drought or a long period without rain, make sure that you are giving your trees water and making sure that you're not watering right up next to the trunk of the tree. Because if you water right next to the trunk, you can uh, risk rot. So you want to water actually out near the canopy drip line. Yeah. One other thing that is real great about post oaks is that they're, they're pretty resistant to oak wilt compared to our red oak and live oak population. I, I'm sure there's been cases of it. I know there's recorded cases of oak wilt on post oak, but where I live in Northeast Tarrant County, we have primarily post oaks and, and I have not ever seen an actual case of confirmed oak wilt uh, on a post oak in that area. Yeah, I have not either. So they are a little bit more resistant to oak wilt. They can still get it, of course, because they are an oak. Um, but they have a better ability of compartmentalizing themselves compared to our red and live oaks. So Kimberly, thanks for joining me here today. I had a really good time talking about trees and hearing your perspective. Yeah, I really enjoyed it also. It was, I think it was a very good conversation. It was a lot of fun. I enjoyed having you here today. Hopefully we can do it again. Yeah. If you have any other questions about emerald ash borer, oak wilt, or any other tree problems that you might be having, please come see us at our website, treenewell.com or give us a call to set up a consultation with one of our ISA certified arborists.